Hi there, Internet. It's Vin again with Ken and Glenn. I'm Ken. I'm Glenn. <laughs> again? Again. Well, there it is, then again. Recently, uh, something happened that you may have heard of. Uh, happens every February, last Sunday in February. It's called the Oscars. I thought you were going to say Daylight Savings Time. No, no, that's another podcast. We're going to really rail on that one and curse Ben Franklin for inventing that. He seems so smart, and yet. <laughs> and yet. And yet. No, the Oscars happened. The Academy Awards. What with uh, not very many Star Wars movies being uh, nominated for Academy Awards. Glenn doesn't really care about the Academy Awards. <sighs> however, <laughs> however, this past year, uh, there was a movie that won Best Picture, uh, Green Book. And there has been quite a bit of controversy about Green Book because, for those of you that don't know, the, the title comes from the publication that was uh, put out in the 30s, 40s, and into the 50s telling African-American travelers what were safe places to stay, where they, would, where they would face a minimum amount of racism and harassment. And it was a travel guide for all of the United States, not just the Jim Crow South, but the still racist entire country. And the, uh, the big controversy has been that Don Shirley, uh, uh, a classical and jazz pianist, his family objected to the tone of the film, saying that it really didn't reflect him accurately or what African-Americans of his uh, socioeconomic status traveling the South or might have gone through. And uh, there were objections on, you know, who, who gets to tell the story. Now, while that sort of criticism was being leveled at the film, the film itself, as far as technically and acting-wise, received, you know, quite a few kudos, which is probably why it wound up winning... The, the best picture but you know we're in the history biz and this this ongoing conversation about this film and about who can tell stories that are based in history affects us on a daily basis and uh, and I think Glenn I'll, before I jump into it I'll let you go ahead because you've been here longer and have had to deal with the story of Indian removal and the fact that our our signature piece here is the white path cabin Indian removal mm. is so complicated there are several Glenn's fundamental rules of history. And one of the ones at the top of the list is everything is complicated. <laughs> everything is complicated. And we have so many ideas in our popular consciousness about what Indian removal is, and it was bad, and the Indians were treated poorly, and there's so many stories that float around, and I'm not saying they weren't treated poorly. They were, in fact. But when you begin to delve down into the facts and the issues and the contemporary perceptions of things, Everything's complicated. It's not cut and dried. And so when people come in to any museum or they go to see any movie about history or that takes place in, in a historical yeah, based setting, on a true based story. on a true story, they always come with baggage. And honestly, I think, Ken, that includes us as well. Yeah. We have a, a somewhat deeper nerd-based sense of what the history <laughs> should be, but, right. but, but, but everyone comes with those, those biases and those expectations. And... One of our hardest jobs one of, has always been trying to deal with that baggage, that previous perceptions, and perhaps not necessarily slap people around and say, no, you're terribly wrong, but, but to at least address that and, and have them maybe go away, at least with the knowledge that there are other perceptions. Uh, and, right. and, and the willingness to, to, to accept that, to maybe research them, mm -hmm. and to maybe do a little more delving on their own. Right. And, 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 and you know, this is where, like we say, the, the concept of point of view comes in. With Indian removal, specifically since we've got, you know, a cabin here that belonged to a, a prominent Cherokee named White Path, th there are factions 
uh, within the Cherokee nations that would say that we do not have the right to tell that story. I mean, that's, right. that's something that's said. Yeah. You know, who has the, you, you don't know our point of view. Well, here's the thing about points of view. I can, if, if I'm being honest as a researcher, as a writer, as, and whether I'm a historian or a screenwriter, I theoretically want to tell a human truth. And even if I am not a Cherokee myself, I can certainly interview a Cherokee. I can read firsthand Cherokee accounts of how they felt at the time of the certain thing and incorporate those points of view into a script or into a historical work or whatever. Anytime I think you start saying you can't tell our story, well, freedom of speech. You, you, are, you, are, you are in effect saying I, I am denying you freedom of speech, and I'm also saying that you, based on your race, can't tell a story. Now, I, I am not going to sit here and say that I can write a, a work that espouses, say, a Cherokee point of view on removal without consulting a Cherokee. Sure. I would never say that. That would be ludicrous, and, and I would castigate someone who did. However, we are humans, and that, that's the thing about this whole storytelling genre that, that theater, that film, and that history is. We're telling stories, and we want to get our story right. We're telling stories about fellow humans. We may not know on a personal level what person X went through because we aren't that race or culture, but we can certainly sympathize and empathize. And sympathy and empathy are what goes into a dramatic presentation. If, if you do it right. If you, if, you do it, if you do it right. And you should do it right. Now, let, let's get specifically, you know, the controversy around Green Book. You know, the family was, you know, said we weren't consulted. Uh, the family of Don Shirley, we weren't consulted. Well, here's the thing. The, the, two, the two main characters are Don Shirley, uh, the, the musician, and then uh, Tony Valonga, I think I pronounced his name. Val, yeah, Valonga. Uh, his uh, Italian-American bodyguard and chauffeur. Well, this movie was based on interviews with Tony's son, based on what Tony, uh, what Tony's son said he said to him. So, yeah, you know what? The movie is quite overtly told from the bodyguard's point of view. And so... It's source-driven. It, it's source-driven. So, in that sense, as long as that's made clear, fair enough. Now... I would suggest that Peter Farelli, it was Peter Farelli, wasn't it? Yeah, Peter Farelli, uh, who made the movie, you know, says that, you know, it's, it's all accurate, it's documented. Well, it, and, and we're trying to tell a balanced story. I would suggest then you should have actually interviewed the Shirley family instead of just taking secondhand what the, the bodyguard said he said. So, so absolutely, there's, there's certainly room for criticism on that. But also, it's presented from that guy's point of view. And if it reflects it, well, then in a sense, they did their job, but did they do their whole job? Well, and, that, and that's where we want to hold them up to a higher standard. And, and it, as you say, it, it reflects a truth. Yeah, it reflects a truth. Because it is truth. that bodyguard's mm. right, truth. Right, right. Um, and as one of the great philosophers of our day has said, you'll find a great many of the truths we cling to depend <laughs> upon our point of view. And Glenn gets in the Star Wars reference. Boom. <laughs> um, and, and it's true. And it, but, it, but it's absolutely <laughs> true because that's the trick with truth. Truth is entirely dependent upon your point of view. There are facts and there is truth, and they hopefully coincide but not always. And so, you know, when, when these people take the facts and they tell the movie, they, of course, as you said, the, the, what makes it engaging is that it tries to explain 
a human or a series of human truths. That's the story in it. What those movies especially claim to represent, you can watch the movie and say, oh, that's a story. It may be true or not, I don't know. But when the producers or the directors or the studio comes out and says, 100% accurate movie, this is when Ken and I start to come out of our seats (laughs) and bang our heads against walls. (laughs) It's true. Because, and and, and I will will think one, Ken's going to to cringe because we're again bringing up a Mel Gibson movie. (laughs) Like The Patriot. You know what? If you want to just, again, Mel Gibson makes fantastic movies. Right. I'm not sure he tells very good history, but but he tells a story. The Patriot right, has right. a story. It borrows from some historical things. It, it conflates others, but it's trying to tell a story. And for me personally, it's like, okay, I'll go watch a history movie. But then <laughs> when the studio and the directors release a secondary set of documentaries and educational source educational source material for schools to say here's how you can use this movie to teach history because this is fact and this is fact right oh dear then you're misrepresenting something right from being the the search for a human truth into an educational tool of quote how it really was exactly and 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 here's the thing with that okay peter ferrelli you want to tell a story about a relationship between the, you know these two unlikely guys Fish out of water tail road movie. I mean, I mean that's what it is in essence. Okay, and and you know about this this historical duo that really drove across the South while this guy played. Fictionalize it. D- don't don't say it's the real people. <laughs> I mean, I mean it right. it really is that simple. If if you if you aren't going to go the whole way, the whole effort into researching both sides of the story, representing the whole totality. And, and recognizing that there are family members still alive who might have something to say, and you're not talking to them. If you're not going to do that, then don't say it's the actual Don Shirley and the actual uh, Tony. Give them different names, fictionalize the story, and go from there. And you're still going to have the same sort of resonance because it's still going to be a human story, and it's still going to represent things that people actually went through. So, so this, But that speaks to... This fascination Hollywood has with being able to say, based on a true story or inspired by true events. And by the way, if it says based on a true story, part of it might be true. If it says inspired by true events, it means that, yes, the earth exists and this story takes place on it. There's varying degrees of how authentic it's going to be based on those taglines. But they're fascinated with those taglines because they know that it sells. It helps sell. Well, if it helps sell, show a little bit of integrity to that thing that's theoretically helping sell your movie. And it sells because it legitimizes. It, exactly. It legitimizes. It, and, and that's why they don't do the fictionalized version sometimes. Although that does happen. There are filmmakers that do that, and, and yay. But, but yeah, it, Glenn, you, you nailed it. It legitimizes it. It, it, it. it enables them to pitch the film on a different level, on a, a more rarefied playing field, to, to go after an Oscar. You know, there, there, there are right. a lot of things that go into that. And, and there are, you know, oh, history <laughs> movies. There are, there are some movies out there that uh, I, will pick, I will pick one that I think is probably the best. It is based on a work of fiction. It is fictionalized. Patrick O'Brien wrote a series of novels, uh, the uh, Maturin Aubrey series. Master and Commander, the, that's, that's the movie that came out of these, but there's a series of novels. This guy did so much research yeah. on the way the world was, how the ships worked, <clears throat> and when you read those novels, they're 
they are, quote, based on real people and real events, but he's fictionalized it right. with, with, with fictional characters so that he can tell those stories, but they don't necessarily mesh. And then the director, and I very much apologize, I can't remember the director's name, he was very much dedicated to recreating that world. And there is, and I will go out on this limb and say it, there is no modern movie that has been made that is truer to the time period wow. than is Master and Commander, even though it is telling a fictionalized story or series of stories. It's fantastic, and it captures the milieu and the material well, you know, culture, it, you just, and, it, and, and, it, and it just <clears throat> it does that, and the director was very much dedicated to it, and yet... He still didn't come out with a supplementary education material right. and said, this is how life right. was at sea. He still said it's a work of fiction. He didn't have to exactly. because he made the movie that way. But, you know, you just put your finger on something really cool. So when you said no other modern film is, is the film, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> Based on, you know, the legend of, of you know, the, 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 the Odyssey. Uh, and and is, is a comedy, a road comedy. Does, doesn't say it's a history movie even right. remotely, yet... The Coen brothers want to create a world that is real, and they put so much effort into researching the Mississippi Delta culture of the 1930s that they nailed they it. They nail it. I mean, it is a snapshot of that society. And if a comedy can do it, work of fiction comedy can do it, then respectfully, Peter Ferrelli with the Green Book, you could have too. And full disclosure, I have not seen the Green Book because I rarely go to see new movies. <laughs> That's right. uh, Unless not, not it's from a Star wanting. Wars movie, you go see those. Don't I you? go see those. I go see some of the superhero movies. <laughs> uh, Priscilla and I did. Oh no, wait, that was to see My Fair Lady, a forty-year-old movie. Um, <laughs> but but yes, but yeah. but, I, but I haven't seen it. But I've, I've read some of the the reviews and things like that. Right. But, right. Um, but getting back to the purpose there, this this whole thing of, you know, who has ownership of the story. You know, I write a lot of scripts up here at the Northeast Georgia History Center. I, I, I and I am, you know, not a woman. I am not an African-American <laughs> from the American Revolution. I am not John Ridge, Cherokee leader. And yet, but what, and you know this to be true, yeah. Glenn, and any of you can also know it to be true by going to our website and clicking on our digital studio webisodes and judging for yourself we have done the research. This is why I'm so passionate about this one, because I know it can be done right, because we do it we right do it here. Right. This Every is not day. a commercial for us, but this is the truth. We do it right here. We do the research. We do make sure that we're reflecting what the point of view of this formerly voiceless culture might be, and we tell that story. So you can tell the story if you are enfranchising that voice. Uh, oh, say that again. I like the uh, way you said that. You can tell that story if you are enfranchising that voice. Yeah, that sounded pretty good. Yeah, that's, that's, let me put that on the website. That's, that's, a, that's, that's nice. That's a good, I mean, and, and that's it. Because if you do that, well then. We're not claiming ownership. We're enfranchising. Exactly. Exactly. Especially when you write your scripts, you use the original sources. If you go back to the original sources, yep. the voices are already there. We're just amplifying it. Yeah. We're just amplifying it. We're boosting the signal. You know, part of this debate, especially with, say, a movie like Green Book, if, if Peter Ferrelli wants to say, well, yeah, we wanted to tell their story, but we're also just telling a story. Oh, okay, so that brings up then what is the, the rubric? What is the guiding principle? What, what, what is the imperative that you're laboring under as a filmmaker? Is it, is it to tell the historic truth? Is it to tell a story? If this is a primarily or even only 
educational effort, then every effort must be made yeah. to make sure that it is as accurate as possible and reflects the reality of the facts. Because if it doesn't, it is going to detract from the story which you are trying to tell. Yeah, yeah. And it, delegitimize it. Well, yeah, exactly. And that's the other side of that is even if someone says, well, most people aren't going to know. Well, if even one does and they draw attention to it, it you've lost your credibility. Yeah. And, and even if nobody notices it, you're still telling a falsehood. And if you're doing that based on ignorance, well, that's bad. But if you're doing it intentionally, then you're lying. You're intentionally lying. Right. And I realize, you know, I guess maybe to, to kind of bring it all together, I realize that the limitations of the medium and budget and time can make certain compromises need to be made. And everyone's going to have yeah. a different line. But I think that a consensus can certainly be formed by those who consider history a passion and consider the education of the general public about history to be a, a profession and a calling. That line is a little more solid than much of Hollywood would, right. would have you believe. Then Again with Ken and Glenn is produced by the Cottrell Digital Studio at the Northeast Georgia History Center. 